You coughed as soon as I hit record. <laughs> I hate my life, dog. I swear to you, I don't cough. I haven't coughed all day. Mm-hmm. Until now. And that is the dumbest thing that's ever happened to me. And that is on. And that is on not having Marlo the coronavirus. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Okay, tell me about your crocs. Okay, so. Kaylin actually bought these little things for me. It was a pack of 100 for my birthday. Oh, what? And obviously, I owned two pairs of Crocs that have the little holes in them, and I own another pair that are fuzzy, but the fuzzy ones don't have the little holes, so I can't put 100 in two pair of Crocs. So, that sounds I like a out, quitter's attitude to me. You're right. But with <laughs> the, my third pair, or my, yes, my third pair coming in. The Hunter bought? Yes, on this, this weekend. Can we talk about how Hunter bought it on the podcast? Yeah. On his ex-husband's I don't believe his ex-husband will ever listen to this because I don't believe his ex-husband likes me. Uh So. His ex-husband can get a life and understand that this is, this is good quality. This is comedy. And he's missing out. This is education. And that's all I'm saying. Tell me about the little things on him. What is this one? That one's weird um, weird looking. I don't know what this is from, but I feel like it's probably from an anime, but I don't watch anime, so. And this is Stitch. Actually, wait, I think you're right. I think that's that, like, Netflix anime. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that my, ew, my ex-boyfriend, we don't want to talk about him, but I'm pretty sure he watched it and told me that I would like it, because it looks familiar. Yeah, so it looked familiar, Yeah. And but obviously Kaylin doesn't know that, but she was like, oh, this one's cute, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to just put it in my shoe. I'm going to look it up. Okay, and keep, then keep a stitch, and then a little Mickey balloon, Aww. and then I got my two Pokemons, <gasps> oh my God. and then an alien from Toy Story, oh except God. I love Squirtle and Pikachu. Don't get me wrong. Where's your Charmander? I was just about to ask you. Exactly. There was no Charmander in the pack, so I gotta keep looking. <gasps> that's that's. But that's just wrong. Are we still getting our matching Charmander tattoos? With yes. Those? I I kind of want them to have um instead of just like the Hawaiian shirts, I want them to have the uh, tropical, um Nook shirts <gasps> from Animal Crossing. Please. Can we have Charmanders with the uh, Tom Nook's little button up tattooed yes. on our? Where do we say we're gonna get them on our thighs? Yes. Or was it on our? What do we say we're gonna get tattooed on our ass? Our name? No. No. It was a moon. We're gonna get moon tattoos. Yes. On our butt. Perfect. That's right. Sorry, mom. Oh, yeah. Sorry, dad. <laughs> it's on my butt. My mom probably wouldn't care because nobody would ever see it. But that's true. <clears throat> I might edit this out. No, I won't. Hi, dad. <laughs> It'd be okay. What do you want, honey? Oh, that's oh. so cute. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have our wine. We have our notes. We have a will to live. Do we? No. <laughs> Yikes. All right. My LaCroix might be a little loud. Why do you have LaCroix? I gave you wine. I'm double fisting. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. We're both wearing flannels. Look at us being lesbians. Oh, I love that. Aw. Part lesbian. Part. <laughs> mostly. Mostly gay. <laughs> Whenever I was talking about getting the microphone set up and I was like, oh yeah, it's, it's on bi-directional. Just like Just us. Just like us. <laughs> This is technically two. One was released on our Patreon. Hey, if you want to listen to that, get on that Patreon. Dude, we're like making legitimate money on that. I mean, like neither one of us are going to quit our jobs or anything, but we're on we're on the path. I know. I'm so proud of us. I am proud of us. We've done so little for that. That's not true. We've actually done a lot. <laughs> Starting a podcast in the middle of a global pandemic is not as easy as one might think. It- <laughs> While we are also both essential employees working in a food service establishment, and I work at a pharmacy. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I love it. I love all of it. I love that for us. Also, I start back in school in a week and a half, so Ooh. I'm just... Online, yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, Amazing. Mom. They do this every year. What is that from? TikTok. 
Well, that is from Ice Age. Oh. But it's from Post Malone's, <laughs> it's from Post Malone's circles, and he's like, they do this every time, but they voice over Sid saying, they do this every year. <laughs> I hate how much I love TikTok. I love how much you love TikTok, because it provides me with so much entertainment and quality Animal Crossing content. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Megan! I'm sorry. Every you. time. You do this. What is what is You it? do this every year. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, hello and welcome <laughs> to episode two, officially, of Hot Messes of History. We are changing recording locations, which means nothing to you because there's a very high chance that this is the first time you've ever heard us. So, yeah, welcome. Hello. hello. Oh? Oh, oh, we're so cute. Yes. Oh. Um, so I am Crystal. I'm Megan. We are two good pals, two best buds who have a mutual love for history and podcasts and conspiracy theories and true crime. And so together we have bred this. This is officially episode two because episode one is solely and exclusively living on our Patreon. If you're interested in listening to that, you can head on over to www.patreon.com slash hot messes of history. Should be pretty easy to spell. The hot messes of history. I am a hot mess. History a hot- is a hot mess. That's you're, true. You're just hot. Wow. I love you. <laughs> also, you're a liar. Um, or you're just wrong. Either way. <clears throat> um, uh, this is our podcast. We are Still pretty new at this, um, so bear with us as we work out any kinks that may arise. If you want to know how everything started with our podcast, you can, again, listen to episode one. Today, we are going to be talking about prohibition. And I'm just going to say, I I used one website for this. Oh? (laughs) One. And it is the pbs.org website. It's the website for the Ken Burns documentary about prohibition. So obviously, totally up my alley because God bless PBS and specifically Ken Burns documentaries. I love them so much. Prohibition and the Vietnam War are the only two I haven't seen. Um, And there were so many clips from the documentary on the website. And I just, man, I I watched the heck out of those things. I was really excited because they had a lot of clips from it and I watched a lot of them and it was so fun. Um, But then I realized that there was a whole section on the website just about the people of the prohibition. And I added in the last like hour before you got here to record, I added almost two full pages. I love that. (laughs) It's it's a lot. So we're in for a wild ride. We're just going to dive right in. We are going to, again, my source that I used, specifically (laughs) pbs.org. That's all. I got so much information out of that that I had a couple other websites pulled up that I was like, oh, this seems interesting. But I just had so much just from that that I was like, I cannot put any more. This is going to be a four-part episode. And I need to save that for Waco. (laughs) Because Waco is about to be a long episode. That's about to be a a multi-part series. So how many pages did your notes end up being? A little over four. So we're about on the same page with episode three. Oh. 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 Which uh, will also exist at the time that this one drops. So if you're interested uh, in hearing what that's about, just finish this episode and go right on to the next one, my dudes. Exactly. Exactly. All right. LaCroix. <laughs> double Sorry, fisting. that was probably loud. Yeah, I'm double fisting LaCroix and wine for those who are wondering. Screw top because we are not fancy it's like you've got the Lacroix, which is like the fanciest <clears throat> static water you could ever get static water that <laughs> is the best way to describe it i hate Lacroix. i've only actually i've never actually had a real Lacroix, so maybe i don't hate it but i hate sparkling water is Lacroix alcoholic no oh it's not it's just <laughs> i know way too many liberty kids who oh 
<laughs> we just doxed ourselves part two. <laughs> we did that in our first episode, too. Yeah, really bad. Russian government. If you're interested in knowing about how Megan and I are going to die like, as a result of being targeted by the Russian government. Oh, my shorts have pockets and I didn't know. What? Amazing. That is amazing. I'm Sorry. really glad that you discovered that. No, don't don't you ever apologize for that. <laughs> that is about it. Don't ever apologize for finding pockets in your shorts. And being excited about it. You earned that. <laughs> years and years of, of short non-existent fake pockets have earned you the right but they're running shorts and they have pockets that's incredibly valuable yes where did you get those um ross actually amazing now that we've gotten that cleared up the important stuff (laughs) um if you're interested in documentaries or anything like that i highly 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 recommend anything that ken burns has ever done you know what i'm not gonna lie to you i'm a very i love documentaries i could watch documentaries all day long mm-hmm. on anything mm-hmm. but i don't know who that is really yeah i guess the only people that i've ever known who have been like really excited about ken burns really known who they are are like boomers and history majors so i'm it, neither but, of those things yeah so by 1830 the average american consumed nearly seven gallons of alcohol per year this is not and i don't know if this says anything about me as a person but that doesn't seem like that much alcohol to me yeah. per year it really doesn't. And this probably is just me not being very intelligent, but all I can think about when I hear gallons is gallon jugs. Yeah. So, like, it would be seven of those in a year? Yeah. I feel like that's pretty well spread out, right? It might be different for us, too, because we both worked in a bar. Yeah. And we've both served... Well, Copious. I, I've served 30 gallons of alcohol in a night. Easy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to break it down, like, cup by cup. How many cups are in a gallon? <clears throat> I want to say 16. Isn't there four cups? Oh. In a liter. Hold no? On, we're gonna, oh my gosh. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I forgot know. my gallon, man. Should we draw him out? I don't know what that is. <gasps> you, you're from the South and you were never taught the gallon man in elementary school? I might have been, but I don't remember anything from the age of like seven to the age of 17. So there's while a whole you, decade that I could have been taught something. you look up the important things, I'm going to show you the gallon man. <laughs> His is an ugly gallon man. But... Oh my God, I was right. I am a genius. There are 16 cups in a gallon. Okay, so think about cup So wise. this is the gallon man, except that... we drew a little G and then little arms and little fingers and toes. That is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my it entire really life. Is, they but... taught this to you in elementary school? Yep, but we drew it, like, we drew a G, and then, like, we drew him arms and a face and stuff, and that, instead of that, that's creepy. See, I've oh, seen that. Something similar to this. Okay, see, I've seen that one right there. Like, the, yeah, the big G with the little things inside of it. I yeah, just it's something it... similar to that. Okay. So, yeah, about All right. that. But okay. Yeah. That's slightly less terrifying. But that first one you showed me, I'm going to have nightmares about that. Anyway. Probably me too. But it's okay. <laughs> anyway, I was right. It's 16 cups. So, like, 16 cups in a gallon. That's. Eight ounces are in a cup. Wait. Shit. I don't know. Hold on. Um. Oh. Oh, wait. I'm... Look up the gallon, man, and then you'd know. I don't want to. I think it's 16. I think that's no. right. It's... it's eight. No, it's eight. Okay, is, yeah. is it eight? It's okay. Eight. So, f- as a bartender. Or I guess a previous bartender. Rest in peace, my bartending job. R.I.P. I didn't lose. My, I mean, I did lose my job, but that's because they closed. Not because of COVID. Not and not because I was fired. So oh yeah. For the record. <laughs> not fan- because I'm a shitty employee. It's no. Because she's a fantastic employee. Ten out of ten would recommend. <laughs> Thank you. Hire her for all your um, bartending needs or yes. otherwise. Or so typical bartending like standards. So the two restaurant, the two bars that I've worked in, one of them I didn't bartend but i was like kind of training mm-hmm. and then i did bartend but so the first one their shots which is a shot was an ounce so if you take that into perspective if someone's ordering a double shot two ounces yeah so then when i was working at my other job it was an ounce and a quarter was a shot and then two ounces was two shots so okay so if there's eight ounces in a cup <clears throat> 16 cups in a gallon 
So we'll just say people aren't taking double shots like Hellions. Okay, that is a lot more than I thought. So that's 896 shots in a year. Well, I guess that's really not... Okay, okay, hold on. Let's take this out of the perspective of the year 2020 and put it into the year 1830. That's true. That is a lot of alcohol, I guess. Because you're not just, like, going out to, you know, whatever bar on a Friday night. Yeah, and just, like, hanging out with your friends and taking, like, three shots in a night and having a hangover in the morning. That's that's, true. But then also, it doesn't say what kind of alcohol, like... That, that's a, a 16 ounce beer i could drink seven gallons too. of beer in a year see i only think in liquor because i have problems but. i ever since i started working at the restaurant that i will soon work at again if COVID ever goes away um I, ever since i started working there i became a big appreciator a big a pre- yes yes I, I i became i began to appreciate beer a lot more <laughs> yes. and like it a lot more so i guess thinking about it from a beer perspective 16 ounces is a pint yeah, that's 56 pints of beer in a year. That's like one a week. I definitely drink <laughs> seven gallons of alcohol in a year if... I don't like I don't like that realization. That's terrible. But... To think that it was enough to spark an entire movement in 1830, and that's just like a regular Tuesday for me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and not to make it sound like I'm a lush, but like... A pint of beer does not make me drunk. I just like the taste of it. Yeah. Like, give me give me a good sour any day of the week. I think I drank like four on my on birthday. Sours. I you're you're welcome. Yes, because I really only try to stick to like ciders. I don't mm-hmm. like anything hoppy. I don't like anything dry. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. But sours, I really can appreciate a good sour. And I guess it, it makes sense. Like I've I've noticed that a lot of people who like ciders like sours. <clears throat> yeah. Because it's like it's somewhere between a cider and an IPA. Maybe. Yeah. Beer aficionados are about to come at me on Twitter, but I, in my, it's, I, I don't know. I don't understand hops well, and stuff like that as much as I, I wish I did, but. I don't either as a bartender. I don't either, but I, yeah, I feel like a sour is pretty, like it's not as sweet as a cider, but mm-hmm. it's not as dry as like an IPA. Yeah. I've had it, one IPA that I liked. Actually, two. I can't think of a single IPA that I've ever had that I liked. I can. You drank it the last time we recorded. That Mango Madness? Oh. That, that was, was an IPA? IPA? Yeah. Right? Oh, I, I was. Thought, I thought it was a sour. No. No, that's an IPA. I know. I was shocked, too. And I really liked it. Right? I liked it as well, yeah. Yeah. It, it really, it changed the game for me. It made me realize that not every IPA mm. is a freaking Dang. Sierra Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> or freaking Get Bent. God. So bad. I, I hope nobody that I works with listens to this. Please don't come for us. Please don't. I'm sorry. I just the don't beer, like IPAs. The beer reps and... The Russian government, please don't go for us. <laughs> those, are, those are the two main <laughs> groups of people that have targets on our back, our BRFs and the Russian government. You know what? I feel like we're doing life right in that in that sense. I would agree. <laughs> okay. I would agree with that statement. Okay, so by 1830, the average American consumed nearly seven gallons of alcohol per year, which in 1830 standards is probably a lot of freaking alcohol. Right. Now, women in this time had very few legal rights and were totally dependent on their husbands, obviously. So the incredible amount of alcohol abuse, which was primarily in men, mm. we don't mean to stereotype, but also we're looking at the facts here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely happened with women. Definitely did. It was absolutely a thing. And we'll actually get into a little bit of that a little bit later when we talk about the uh, Women's Christian Temperance Union. Um, but primarily it was an issue with men. So that was having a really dangerous uh, effect on households and the American household yeah. and wives and mothers whose husbands and fathers of their children are going out and getting super wasted and then coming home. And especially in a time where women were not very respected and, you know, domestic abuse wasn't as big of a deal right. as it is today. That's it, it would have just been way more common to be like, yeah, I'll come home and beat up on my wife a little bit. And that just sucks. Don't 
do that. <laughs> don't don't do that today. Well, right. Like, don't obviously. do that. Period. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> yeah, keep, but like, <laughs> wash your damn hands wash, and keep them to yourself. Wash your damn hands and keep them to yourself. <laughs> it, you know, so women played a really big part in you know pushing this movement. So the temperance movement was the first actual anti-alcohol movement in the U.S. and it came in the 1830s and the 1840s. Now, for context, the Prohibition era, the 18th Amendment, which actually did all the stuff that it did, we'll get into it, came into effect January 17th of 1920. So almost exactly 100 years ago. You know what is also crazy? Sorry to keep cutting you off. I don't remember learning a whole lot about Prohibition. Well, I mean, I feel like they're not, which is ironic. Me knowing some topics that we're going to talk about, this is ironic, but they're probably not going to talk just a ton about alcohol to a bunch of, like, younger kids. I mean, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I can't, I actually can't remember a lot of my high school history classes. I I can't either. I blocked all of it out. Which says a lot about the American education system when it comes to a blatant lack of respect for history as a subject in our art, but that's okay. That's a soapbox for another day. That's a thesis for another master's degree. Um, Yeah. But it, you know, I feel like there are a lot of things that I didn't learn about that I should have learned about. I feel like I definitely knew that like prohibition was like 1920-ish, but I don't think I realized it was as early as it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like right at the beginning of the decade. Yeah. I don't think I realized the more you know. The more you know. And that's why we're here, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We are here to supplement all of the shit that your high school history classes let you down about. And if you had a really, really great education system, or you just have done a lot of research on your own, and you're just here for fun, then welcome. And we hope we make you laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Also, please don't come for us when we inevitably mess up. We will post redactions on Twitter later. Um, Yes. We'll we'll pull a whole My Favorite Murder and just do a corrections corner. But I don't don't think they have that trademarked. But in general, we'll call call it something else. Um, Anyway, now I'm coughing. God. You did give me corona. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. I love you too much to be mad. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So the first actual anti-alcohol movement in the U.S. came almost 100 years prior to official prohibition in the 1830s and 1840s. Um, As many abolitionists who fought against slavery took this chance to abolish what they saw as another great evil in an attempt to completely eradicate Americans of their sins. That's kind of when the first official anti-alcohol movement happened, the temperance movement. Um, The movement was largely led by the American Protestant churches, who started off slowly by encouraging moderation. They moved into encouraging people to keep each other accountable and to resist temptation. And then eventually they grew to just flat out demanding that the government intervened. So, you know, big steps. In 1844, a town in Massachusetts tried to outlaw the sale of alcohol. Not the consumption, but the sale of alcohol. So a local tavern owner sold tickets to see a striped pig and the drinks came free with the sale of the tickets. <laughs> so, which I, is one of my favorite bits of information that so I've gotten. So is this like a pig race or is this just a pig? It's just to see a pig. He literally, he sold tickets to see a striped pig. You can't see my air quotes because this is a podcast when I'm doing air quotes. Striped pig. But you got free drinks when you bought the ticket to see the pig. So he wasn't selling alcohol. He was selling tickets to an attraction to come see a pig. And then you get to go and drink while you're there for free. What a business. Right? Like what a, what a, what a loophole. Um, And this is, I I say this in the next one that I'm about to say, just to kind of, to call attention to how naive a lot of people from temperance movements were about the idea of temperance and prohibition. They were like, oh, we're going to make it a law. So obviously everybody's going to follow it, which is several topics we could talk about on that point, but we'll get there at a later date. (laughs) Yikes. I I give these examples just to give some uh, background as to how the rest of the temperance movement and the prohibition era is going to go. So that was in 1844. And then in 1851, Maine outlawed the use of alcohol, which was met with extreme resentment, eventually leading to a riot in Portland in 1855, causing the government to repeal the law. So, you know, 
you can what what's that it's a hamilton quote i don't know when, hamilton when oh. yeah what yeah actually i feel like we've talked about this before we have i feel like we've talked about this on the podcast before <laughs> Because I feel like I make a Hamilton reference almost every time we record. There is another one later in the episode. Don't worry. <laughs> but um, this one is unintentional. But there's this line in um, Hamilton, which, like, you know about the whiskey riots. Right. Whenever they, like, tax whiskey to, yeah. you know, whatever. So there's a quote in Hamilton where he's like, when Britain taxed our tea, we got frisky. Imagine what's going to happen when you try and tax our whiskey. And then the whiskey riots. So, like, it... It, it's the same idea. People get really, really up in arms about their alcohol, which I think is really, really funny because in January of 2020, no, nope, January of 1920, <laughs> we were outlining the use of alcohol and in May of 2020, ABC stores are considered an essential business Isn't and it? are super busy, which also let's not um, negate the fact that the U.S. government is making Boku bucks off of ABC stores. Absolutely. So of That's course they're not going to close them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're not going to risk taking that, that pay cut. That's a little bit about some of the biggest first movement. It wasn't that impactful, so I don't really have that much information about it. But fast forward to the 1870s and the Women's Christian Temperance Movement, the WCTU, which is what we're going to call it for the rest of the podcast because that's a lot of syllables. In the 1870s, thousands of women began to organize against the growing sale of alcohol, which was primarily caused by German-American entrepreneurs who were increasing brewing production to accommodate the millions of immigrants, mostly from Ireland, Germany, and Italy, so like big drinking countries, coming to the United States after the Civil War. Again, bringing it back to women who had to deal with their drunken husbands after a wild night at the saloon, blatant disrespect for women, domestic violence, of course, they're going to organize and they're going to say, hey, this isn't cool. Let's not do this. Right. These women created the WTCU, which became a super powerful organization that partnered with women's suffrage powerhouses like Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton. So big names. Frances Elizabeth Caroline Willard. Uh, she was a big, important person. Uh, PBS really, really placed her as a figure of massive importance in all of American history. And it, we will find out that she was. But specifically because of this organization. She was called St. Francis by some of her most intense admirers. She led 250,000 women in nonviolent protest via the WCTU. She was a champion for women's rights and education and, and took a major role in the leadership of the WCTUs in 1879. She ended up becoming the president of the union. It's amazing that she managed to, I'm being completely sarcastic here, oh, okay. by the way, um, managed to make a nonviolent. Amazing. Crazy. Crazy. Imagine being grown adult. <laughs> no, I was about to say a whole ass adult, but yes. And doing things the right way. So insane. And not being a complete dumbass. Oh, here's the other Hamilton quote. quote. I knew it was coming. Um, <laughs> now, she she was problematic in some ways. Well, I, I don't know if it was her that was problematic. We'll get there. Um, the WCTU ended up being a little bit problematic in some ways, but it also was great in a lot of ways, which is just like all of life. Um, so exactly. In terms of writing, she was kind of like the Alexander Hamilton of Prohibition in that she wrote all the time or she dictated rather, which I don't know if this means that she couldn't write, but it specifically said in the segment of the documentary that I watched that she spent eight hours a day or more dictating letters, speeches, articles, and books, which were written by her personal secretary, Anna Gordon. So I'm going to assume that she didn't know how to write, probably because she was a woman in the 1800s. Right. You know, she probably didn't have the best education, but I'm not going to say like hard and fast that she couldn't write and that's why she didn't do it. But it specifically said it was dictated. So we're going to say that she dictated because we are keeping on facts. <laughs> And that's on facts. And that's on facts. Literally. Um, she claimed that in the first nine years of her presidency of the WCTU, she spoke in over 1,000 U.S. towns. Oh, wow. Including every single town that had a population of at least 10,000. Now, this is her claim. 
I don't know if we can back this up. I don't know if she was just trying to make herself seem a lot cooler than she really was. Or not a lot cooler, but a lot more impactful than she really right. was. But she, there's plenty of literature. Liter- literature? Um, <laughs> um, there's plenty of literature from her to prove that she did spend all that time like dictating and writing and everything. And I mean, I'm sure she probably traveled all the time too. So um, She even founded a world's WCT, which gathered almost 1 million signatures on a canvas petition. Wow. Addressing, right? Addressing all global leaders and imploring them to work together in the ban of alcohol. So that's that's one almost one million signatures on a canvas petition. Can Amazing. You how dirty that got. Uh, yeah. No. no. No, ma'am. But you know, I got to give my homegirl props for right. doing her thing. Right. You know, like. Right. Like as we see her. <laughs> that is literally ultimate bad bitch. It really is. Even if she is problematic, or her corporation, or whatever you yeah. want to call it, was problematic. Yeah. Like that is bad bitch. That's the definition of bitches get shit done like but absolutely absolutely also i just realized the intense irony of the fact that we are drinking wine while we talk about prohibition it didn't hit me until just now but me either but that's amazing and i love it i love it too i love <laughs> us also that was just a partial bottle i had in the fridge i did put another one in there if we decide we want more so we've got plenty of wine ready for this uh, episode on prohibition it's fine amazing i kind of want to just like <laughs> <laughs> also i think it's important to note that i'm drinking my wine out of a pint glass <laughs> <laughs> Which says a lot about me as a person, I feel like. I'm shooting, um, looks like I'm drinking mine out of a highball high glass. It is a highball. So, Which also says a lot about us as people. <laughs> and honestly, I will say that our designated glasses, I know you didn't do this on purpose, but mm-hmm. yep. also says a lot about who we are as people. Yep. And you know what? I have no choice but to stay in it. I, I, yes, indeed. <laughs> I, I, I stopped drinking liquor a long time ago just because uh, yeah, no, I don't have the tolerance to be able to drink. I like whiskey. I like whiskey in certain drinks i love me a good margarita but man if it doesn't mess me up like, i just don't after I, I lost all that weight a couple years ago but see I, the, not that i know anything about getting drunk mom but oh you know <laughs> fun story no i'm not gonna out my mom like that so. oh sorry we'll talk about it off air <laughs> wait i am absolutely gonna out my mom okay are you ready we're yeah. gonna tell a story in the middle of our prohibition episode about the first time first and i think only time i've ever seen my mom drunk and oh god i'm gonna cry the story involves two of my favorite people who are no longer with us. Oh. I love them so much. And oh god. Okay. So the night before my mom and dad got married. <laughs> um, important side note, my dad is not my biological father, but he is the best dad ever, and I love him very much. Hi dad. Hi, Crystal's dad. So, oh yeah. <laughs> His name is David. Hi, David. Oh, he's so sweet. But, but I would rather call him Crystal's dad because That's fine. all of you my know, I'm from the South and calling parents by their first name is a no-no all of my friends in color guard like when i was in high school they called them mama and papa and i don't want to give their last names because i haven't invented that but they called yeah. them like mama and papa and then their last name uh, because we don't have the same last name i didn't change my name when he adopted me okay but yeah so their last name is not mayor check so then yeah i didn't know that yeah so yeah so they called so I'm them i'm gonna call him crystal's dad <laughs> yeah, so, um but they called them mama and papa insert their last name here and they loved that so if you ever meet them you can call them that but uh, if you ever meet them, you're going to meet them one day. Don't I worry. But my mom, it was the night before they got married and my mom, sisters, and my um, aunt, uh, Stacy, who I talk about a lot, who yeah. passed away a couple of years ago, um, and my cousin Megan, her daughter, who passed away about a year before her, they were both there. Um, they flew in for the wedding and that was just like the most amazing time ever. Um, Megan's daughter, Emily, saw snow for the first time because they're oh, from Florida. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So cool. They, oh God, I'm going to cry. Um, so they all went down to the hotel bar um, to have like a mini bachelorette party for my mom. And my mom doesn't drink often. Like, I think I've seen my mom drink 
she and I got a margarita together on her birthday one time after I turned 21. I think we got mimosas at brunch once. Um, no, it wasn't even brunch. It was another birthday. And I was like, I want to get a mimosa with you, mom. And she was like, okay. And I don't think she even drank the whole thing. But um, neither one of my parents are big drinkers. But I have seen her drunk just once. And that was on the night before her wedding. And she swears that she was not as drunk as she actually was. They always do. But mom, I know you're listening. And I'm telling you right now. I remember this to this day, and I don't remember anything about the time I was 13. I don't even know if I was actually 13, but I was young, because I got married the day after my birthday, because I wanted to steal that from me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So they went down to the hotel bar, and Emily, this would be a a note of things to come later, um, but Emily ended up getting food, or no, the stomach flu the night before my parents' wedding. Oh, no. Oh, Yes. She was not the only one who ended up with stomach flu in that time frame. But, yeah. uh, Yeah. Um, So she ended up getting the stomach flu, and she threw up in the hotel room. And I couldn't go to the bar because I was only 13 or whatever age I was. Um, I was too young (laughs) to go. So they all went without me, and I didn't get to go have fun. Um, I was like, I won't even drink. I just want to go. And they're like, go hang out with Emily in the hotel. And I was like, Emily's, like, eight. (laughs) But, okay. Um, So we were, you know, just hanging out, whatever. And she had gone to sleep. And had thrown up. And so I called them, but they wouldn't answer their phone. So I ended up having to call the front desk of the hotel to be like, is there a group of women in the hotel bar? And if there are, can you give the phone to one of them, any of them? (laughs) And so I ended up getting Megan, Emily's mom, on the phone. And I was like, hey, Emily's really sick. So Megan came upstairs and we all sat around. And that was like, it was such a good time. And I, it was the first time I had seen them in years at that point. Because this is my biological father's family okay so we didn't not that we were like estranged we just they lived in south florida and i lived in tennessee we just didn't get the chance to see each other very often you know um so they had come up and that was the first time i had seen them in years and years i think that was the first time i had seen them since the last time i saw them with my biological father if i'm getting my timelines correct yeah it was it was a lot so we uh we were all just you know chatting and stuff and then we can hear we are down at the end of this hotel hallway and we can hear inside the room with the door closed, laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world? And Megan is like, I know my mom's laugh anywhere, talking about my Aunt Stacy. And she's like, that's my mom. And I was like, who's the other person laughing? And she was like, Crystal, I'm pretty sure that's your mom. <laughs> I was like, no! <laughs> so we go out to the door and we open the door and we can hear them while they were still in the elevator. Amazing. Coming up the hallway, just giggling. And then I love come, it. I, we see them turn the corner and they're coming down the hallway with their arms around each other, oh, like holding each other up, wholesome. giggling. It's so wholesome and so cute. My mom swears it didn't happen that way. She swears she wasn't laughing that loud. I'm like, mom, we heard you with the door closed. <laughs> we heard you with that door embrace closed. It, embrace it. Renee. Embrace it. I love it. Come on, Renee. You know. You know better. Don't deny it. <laughs> Don't deny it. It's real. I am absolutely going to out my mom on this podcast. Well, since we're outing parents, I'm just going to out mine. Let's do it. We, my, sorry. So, <clears throat> sorry. Shannon? Yes. Sorry, <laughs> parents. So, as you know, my family, or my mom and my sister, do not live here. Right. And my cousins aren't here either. Mm-hmm. So, they're in Arkansas. My mm-hmm. family's in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, we were all like, summer 2016, like, hey, let's my cousin her two daughters my mm-hmm. mom and then me and my sister mm-hmm. we we're like let's have a girls trip mm-hmm. to florida so mm-hmm. we went to florida i can't remember if it was exactly a week or if it was a, a couple of days shy mm-hmm. um but we went to navarre beach and it was one of the best beaches i've mm-hmm. ever been to but also it was florida so yeah um so my mom is super thrifty with her little cricket like, uh-huh. buys these really cute cups and stuff from target that are on sale and mm-hmm. puts decals on them and it's super cute so my mom found these like 
cups, and they were tall. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like you go to Dollywood and you get a slushy, one of the souvenir cups. The fact that you just said Dollywood, <clears throat> did you do that on purpose? No. That's where I'm from. Not Dollywood. I wasn't born in Dollywood. <laughs> I was born in Dollywood. <laughs> I was born under no, the I didn't wild purpose, eagle. No, I was born in South Florida, but I lived out like I've worked for Dolly Parton for years of my life. Amazing. That's did you really not know that? It's in No, I knew that you were from there. Oh, okay. We, talk, we talked about this Got on it. the original episode too that we recorded. Did we? Oh, yeah. that's right. The episode that will never be. Yes. We have to re-record that one because my neighbors were fighting so loud you yes. can hear it in the audio. So Yes. <laughs> we'll get around to it. Um so alright, yeah. So I'm talking like souvenir mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. cups. And mm-hmm. they're super cute. So my mom was like I'm going to make margaritas for all of us, and we're going to go down to the beach. And I was Wait, this like, is 2016. You yes, were I was 20. 19. 19. Yeah, that's right. I was 19. Yeah, because we're both I just turned 19. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> it's so funny. My mom was like, well, there's six of us, and we're all sharing a margarita, so I'm going to put seven, eight shots in it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, mom. So <laughs> she makes them. It's obviously very strong. Mm-hmm. Very, very strong. hmm so nobody wanted it because it was strong. Oh, God. So I was and then like, Megan said, I volunteered. I did. I did volunteer. <laughs> but then it was too strong for even me. So I was like, I'm just going to put it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'll just have a little road snacky snack on my way back to the airport, <laughs> to Atlanta airport. Back Were you there. driving? Uh, so my mom was driving okay. me back to Atlanta airport so I could come home. Got it. So I was from Florida to Atlanta. I want to say it was probably like eight hours. Mm-hmm. So from Florida to Atlanta, I'm drinking this margarita that has seven shots in it in this souvenir style cup on my way to the Atlanta airport to get on a plane for two hours to come home. And at 19 years old. Yes, at 19 years old. And it, it was definitely I, just my mom's face. It was my, my favorite thing, like just being like, Mom... Like, what are you doing? Because nobody drank it. Yeah. Nobody drank it. So it was just me that drank this margarita with seven shots in it. <laughs> in my mom's face, she was like, oops. It was the cutest thing. Oh, my like, God. So thank you, Mom. That's, you know what? These stories are why we have the Prohibition era. Single-handedly. Exactly. Caused it almost 100 years later. <laughs> exactly. So thank you, Mom. <laughs> Thanks, Moms. For all you do. Oh, my God. It's almost Mother's Day. Oh, my gosh. It is. <gasps> Hi, Moms. Both what of you. What day? <laughs> I know it's in May, the tenth. Is it the tenth exactly? It's the second, second Sunday in May. Oh, so it changes every year. Oh, yeah, gross. I hate holidays it's like May. that. It's May. Oh my god, you're right. It is May tenth. Yeah. Oh, what a good guess. Yeah, way to go. But yeah, it's the second Sunday every. Uh, See, I didn't know that. I hate holidays that change dates every year. What is it? The Father's Day is the same way. It's the second Sunday of. I'm not a fan. June? I hate that. Any holiday that changes dates. Every oh, I thought you meant year. Father's Day. I was like, damn. Oh, no. <laughs> damn, Megan. No. Tell me how you really feel. Any holiday that changes dates every year, I'm not a fan of. What other holidays would that be? Every single holiday except for Christmas and Christmas Eve. And Halloween. Halloween and New Year's Eve. That's, I, that's a lot of holidays. Easter changes. Oh, I guess Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Day. <laughs> Easter changes. Mother's Day, Father's Day. So actually not oh. that many. Wow. <laughs> the 4th of July, it's in the name. <sighs> Cinco de Mayo, it's in the name. Man. Oh, I love you. It's not It's not easy being this, <laughs> this dumb. Amazing. No, stop. <laughs> How dare you. Don't talk about the love of my life like that. God, where were we? Oh, we were talking about bad bitches. Yes, and, that's what we were talking about. And then the irony of us drinking yes. while we're recording. Yes. And then... 
you were going to say something about adding your mom. And then I was like, I'll absolutely out my mom. <laughs> I told that story. And here we are 20 minutes later. All right. So uh, another thing that the WCTU did was uh, they installed public water fountains across America as a, quote, wholesome alternative to alcohol. <laughs> It's water. I love a dirty water fountain. as <laughs> an ulterior. Ulterior. I was going to say ulterior motive, but I was like, that's definitely not correct. Nope. Wholesome alternative. 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 Alternative, yeah. alternative to <laughs> alcohol. Yes. Yes. Um, they fought for much more than prohibition. Eventually, they grew to push for improvements in child education. They worked to raise the national age of sexual consent, which we're going to talk about for a hot damn minute. Ooh. Can I just guess? I was going to ask you to. Okay, I'm going to make a broad guess first between Mm -hmm. a a gap. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say anywhere between the age of 11 and 14. Nope. Younger? Yep. I'm going to say six and eight. No. It's ten. Ten. The the national age of sexual consent was ten. My next guess was going to be eight to ten. Yeah. So, gross. Ten. Ten years old. Disgusting. Disgusting. I want to die. Oh, big cold chill. Sorry if you heard that in the recording, but don't gross don't be gross um so yeah they worked to raise the national age of sexual consent from 10 to 16 so like not that much better i believe i believe the age of consent now is 16 at least it is in virginia yeah oh i just doxed us but it's okay we dox ourselves virginia is a big state that's true um yeah i'm pretty sure that the age of consent in virginia is 16 now that may have changed I guess, I don't know why I'm thinking 18, just because it's 18 makes you a legal adult, but... Yeah. Okay. No, the age of consent in Virginia is 16, I do believe. So wait, does that mean if, like, a 16-year-old and a 19-year-old have... Well, no, because that's still considered statutory rape, so... I th- Is it just that, like, a 16-year-old can't get tried for sexual assault with another 16-year-old? Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm know. honestly not sure. Regardless, I don't like to think about... No, it's gross. They're, they're children. Don't... No. Okay. Anyway. Um, but in my notes, I literally said, raise the national age of sexual consent. And then in parentheses, I said, from 10 to 16. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> um, they worked on mother's homes for women who were displaced because of divorces from their husbands um, or who were left by their husbands, who specifically because of um, an addiction to alcohol. And they also built orphanages. They worked to make women's homes uh, for There was apparently, like, this really big increase in women who were becoming dependent on these medications. And so they created, like, homes for them to go to, to, like, basically rehab centers, I guess. Oh. Um, there wasn't a ton of information on that, so I don't know how humane those establishments yeah. were. But also, like, we want to think it's not, like, terrible. They were trying to <clears throat> well, help these women. Well, I mean, women. I was going to say, if they were doing all this other stuff, I can't imagine that. Yeah. I mean, maybe to our standards. Yeah. But. but yeah. Exactly. I would like to Not think, fancy, but at least humane. I was going to say, I'd like to think that their intentions were pure. Yeah, right. But then we're going to come back around to some less than pure intentions. So, well, I guess pure intentions, but it, good in theory, but horribly executed, kind of like communism. Um, God, please don't come for me. Um, <laughs> so, while the... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines. So, while it did fight for more, its main focus was temperance and anti-alcohol movements so one of the biggest actions it took and one of the things that it was most popular for was that it pushed anti-alcohol and temperance education in american schools some like classrooms as young as kindergartners now this education was not always or even mostly accurate um they claimed effects of alcohol could cause spontaneous combustion could you Just casually sitting here recording our podcast, drinking wine, and then one of us just spontaneously combusts. 
no, it li- like literally they passed out like they they taught these kids that you could spontaneously combust into like a bright blue flame and just disappear forever. Look, because of alcohol. So side note, my parents told me that I was illegal to drugs when I was younger. That way, that I would stay away from them. They said that you were illegal to <clears> drugs. I'm sorry, that I was allergic. <laughs> that I was allergic to drugs. That way, so I would be like, oh no, I'm allergic, and I would go to school and be like. Uh, yeah, so they'd be like, so what are you allergic to, Megan? Because that's what cool kids brag about, you know, your yeah. allergies. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, I'm allergic to drugs. <laughs> Shout out, Dad. Thank you. <laughs> so, basically, I'm going to tell my children that if they drink alcohol without <laughs> the ripe age of 21, that they're going to spontaneously combust. <laughs> Please do. I'm going to, absolutely. <laughs> Keep your children away from me. Keep your children <laughs> I just need you to know that when you said that your parents told you, you said my parents told me I was illegal to, I thought you said my parents told me it was illegal to drugs. Like I like to do drugs. Yeah, but you just missed the do, so I thought you were like, it is illegal to drugs. <laughs> oh. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, gosh. I love your parents already. Amazing. Amazing. Oh. oh. <laughs> Welcome to Hot Messes of History. This is what you signed up for. I hope you like it. We will get a little bit better as it goes, but this is pretty much what this you should is, expect. Yep. This is pretty much how every one of our interaction goes, whether the microphone is around or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So um, the education, it claimed that alcohol could cause spontaneous combustion. Apparently, so now does Megan. Um, it could cause deafness, um, insanity, and even be passed on to children. So like if you drank a lot then your kids would have the same bad effects as you did. Not like, not like Al- fetal alcohol syndrome okay. or anything like that. I was going to say because like, okay. Yeah. Right. No. You, so you, an- you saw my face and you answered yeah. the question. Not like if you drink while you're pregnant, this will happen because that was actual <laughs> medical advice. This is like, if you drink at any point that your child, yeah, your <laughs> child gonna radiate to your child. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what I'm, I'm suddenly forgetting every hereditary disease I've ever known. What is, Lactose intolerance, hereditary. I should ask Bear. He's lactose intolerant. I think his dad was too. I don't know. Basically, any hereditary thing that you could pass down, they they included. Which there have been a lot of really solid studies that alcoholism is hereditary. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's different. No, this is like so. If you drink a lot, it will cause you to be deaf, and then you're <laughs> you're gonna have kids, even though you've had kids while you're not drinking, and they will also be deaf, or they could also be deaf. Like, oh. all of these fake things that don't actually happen from alcohol are now gonna happen to you and your children, even if you're not drinking while they are birthed. Born. Birthed? Born. I love that. I mean, I know that that's really shitty of me probably to say, but just how ridiculous yeah it's, it's absolutely ridiculous if you drink your child will be deaf yeah right exactly <laughs> the purpose of this was to essentially scare them straight so when they were old enough to vote they would always vote on the side of temperance out of fear which so is the same thing with my dad telling me that i'm allergic to drugs <laughs> yeah but this was on like an, a national level like this education thing this yeah. didn't just happen in like small town virginia or illinois or anything like that like this happened all over the country. Yeah. These were, like, this was a very broad curriculum. These kids were going through, like, hours and hours and hours of just anti- Like, they weren't getting even, like, regular education that they should have been getting. They were just sitting in classes where they should have been learning how to read and I how just, to write. And I they were learning about to... alcohol. That wasn't even correct. So, another little side note. I don't know if you've ever been around the phone when I... Ant- around me when I've answered the phone when my little brother calls me. Mm-hmm. 
um, but he's six. He's in kindergarten. All I can think about is someone coming to into my six-year-old brother's kindergarten class and being like, drinking will make you dead. Please vote against it in the next 11 years. Right. And the kid's like, I'm six. I'm going to go home and play Fortnite. What do you mean voting against drinking? It's like, it's like in Mean Girls when he's like, don't have sex because you'll get pregnant and die. Exactly it's, like that. It's like that, but it's like, it's actually super scary because this is major emotional manipulation on children. It really is. Like this is, this is indoctrination and it's, it, it it's terrifying to think like I, I it just weirds me out i don't want kids but if i ever had kids it would absolutely first off it would make me mad that they were oh, going yeah. to school and supposed to be getting an actual education and, and they were learning about alcohol no my child is six seven right. years old right what are you doing yeah stop please um but then also like <clears throat> i just have a I, I'm, I'm i hate people using children as pawns to further their own personal yes. goals and motives Preach. it is wrong I yes. have a lot of personal reasons to hate it. Everybody should hate it. Children are children, and they just deserve to be loved and cherished and just be as happy as they can for as long as they can. Yes. Until they become adults and realize that everything sucks. <laughs> uh, yes. At us. <laughs> At us. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so the ultimate goal of the... <laughs> Of the Women's Christian Temperance Union was a prohibition amendment amendment to the Constitution, which was still not even in the realm of possibilities until the establishment of a new organization, the Anti Saloon League, which sounds like a bad video game. It really do. character. Um, it really, it really do, dog. Um, <laughs> but it actually turned out to be eventually the most effective anti alcohol movement in U.S. history. The ASL Anti Saloon League was. Founded in 1893, eventually a man named Wayne Wheeler, he was not the founder of the group, but he did eventually become the leader of the group. Um, he was well-versed in both law and politics. He was actually a lawyer, um, and he was known to be willing to work with anyone and everyone, including people who drank, as long as they would vote to ensure others could not, which is so hypocritical. Uh, yeah. um, Wheeler would push anyone who opposed him out of office and sick the ASL on them. Politicians came to fear him, giving him alarming control over state and federal political systems. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. The ASL worked with literally everyone. Democrats and Republicans. The KKK and the NAACP. That one really got me. <laughs> I'm like, Democrats and Republicans, all right. Like, they, yeah, that's super, super, like... Uh, that, that makes sense. It, yeah, I mean, like, they're super, super polarized, but also, I think because of what kind of world we're currently living in, like, I've seen a lot more tendency to be co-joined in a common cause. Correct. Um, so that one makes a little bit more sense. But the KKK and the NAACP just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sit right with me. First I mean, off, if you're willing to work with the KKK, <laughs> I already don't trust you. But then also to work with the NAACP, I'm just like, why? <laughs> how 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 do you sleep at night? Um, they also worked with both the international workers of the world and many American industrialists like Henry Ford, John D. Rockefeller, and Andrew Carnegie. So, you know, the important people of the world at the time. Well, that's not true. The seemingly important people at the time, the people who had all the money. Um, so when the income tax amendment to the Constitution in 1913 lessened the federal government's financial dependence on liquor taxes, the ASL pounced. Anti-German ideology was at an all-time high as the U.S. entered into World War I, and the ASL began publishing propaganda that connected beer and breweries to Germans and treason. So apparently they would work with anybody except for the Germans because it <laughs> made their cause stronger. With a combination of ASL propaganda and general political fear of Wayne Wheeler and the ASL's power, most politicians knew better than to defy the wishes of the powerhouse group, and the 18th Amendment breezed right on through Congress and was ratified by the states in only 13 months. Let's, let's, let's sit on that for a minute. According to the preamble of the Constitution, 
which I have read several times, both the preamble and the Constitution, because I'm a huge nerd. Um, <laughs> the maximum amount of time that you have is seven years to ratify an amendment once it is submitted to Congress. Right. So you have seven years, and it took you 13 months to ratify this. I tried to do some research. I couldn't find any definitive, like, data on... I, I was specifically looking for the 19th Amendment um, right. that allowed women to vote. I wanted to know exactly when it was submitted to Congress. All I could find was that it was first introduced, like, the first time as, like, an idea. I think the first thing I saw was that it was introduced in, like, 1878, and then it wasn't ratified, obviously, until 20... Oh my God, not 2020, 1920. <laughs> um, but I couldn't find, like, that. that's too long. That's past yeah. the seven-year mark. But it can become, like, dormant, and I think... Somebody correct me on this. Don't come for me, but correct me. Educate me, don't belittle me. Um, I, in some ways... Uh, amendments that have been dormant for too long can come back. I don't think they have to be reproposed, so I don't know if it was reproposed before it was ratified or if it just like died and they made a new one. They kept like, you know, changing it to kind of fit whatever it wanted to look like. Um, but I couldn't find any like hard and fast evidence. I wanted to compare this 13 months to all the other amendments, right. but you were like literally coming down the stairs for us oh. to record. And so I was like, I don't have too much time. I still have to add another information. Um, because oh, no. again, I added like a solid almost two pages just in the last hour before we recorded because I found that whole other part of the PBS website. And it was so interesting. Um, so yeah, it just went right on through Congress and was ratified by the states in only 13 months. That's crazy. Um, when the amendment went into effect, prohibitionists rejoiced way too early that America was finally quote dry and literally minutes later. Okay. So, the amendment went into effect at 12.01 a.m. <clears throat> on January 17th, 1920. Okay. okay. Minutes later, six armed train robbers emptied two freight cars full of whiskey from a rail yard in Chicago. How many minutes later? It just says minutes. Oh. In in the... But still, like, <clears throat> obviously not an hour. Like, minutes later. So we're going to say, like, between the time of 12.03. 3 a.m. and 12.09 a.m. Minutes later, six armed train robbers emptied two freight cars full of whiskey from a yard in Chicago, and a gang stole four casks of grain alcohol from a warehouse, Ew. and another hijacked a truck hauling whiskey. Minutes after this went into um, effect. So, we will find that... Uh, prohibitionists were going to learn a big difference in ratification versus implementation. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, federal government implemented prohibition on January 17th, 1920. Um, eight years later, in 1928, President Herbert Hoover called it, quote, a great social and economic experiment, noble in motive and far-reaching in purpose, end quote. That became the coin term for it in later years, a noble experiment, because it was truly an experiment and a failed one. <laughs> As we will come to see. So, people who were in support of Prohibition had unrealistic expectations of the effect that it would have on the economy. They expected rent to rise as saloons closed and neighborhoods, quote, improved. Chewing gum and soft drink companies expected sales to rise. I can get it for soft drinks. Maybe more people are drinking soft drinks than they are whiskey. Chewing gum, the only thing I can think that might make sense to that is how some people try chewing gum to quit smoking. Yeah. Like, just something to distract <clears throat> themselves from the craving. So, maybe that's why... Um, theater producers expected new and increased crowds as people sought to find other forms of entertainment without alcohol. Quite the opposite happened. <laughs> Amusement and entertainment industries experienced massive declines. Restaurant profit margins depleted without being able to sell liquor and so failed, which we get. And very few expected economic benefits actually happened. Um, 
the economic impact was, again, largely negative. Thousands of jobs were lost as breweries, distilleries, and saloons closed. I wrote all of this before we went into the stay-at-home order. And it's making me really emotional. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I get that. Yeah. Like, this is, I mean, it's different because in this case, they couldn't sell alcohol. In our case, we just can't open our doors, period. But, like, we understand right. what that's like. How many people rely on that kind of thing for, you know, income. Um, but thousands of jobs were lost as breweries, distilleries, and saloons closed. Um, less obviously, barrel makers. I didn't think about that. People I, losing their jobs as barrel makers to either. distill whiskey. Um, truckers. That that one makes sense. That sense. Yeah, yeah. The truckers specifically who um, transport <clears throat> alcohol. Um, waiters makes sense because we're waiters, but maybe somebody who isn't like in the restaurant industry might not get it. Um, and then other related trades. I went back in my notes and said, relate to job loss associated with COVID question mark. <laughs> Look at me go. I, I read my own mind. Um, <laughs> um, government tax revenues were also a really big impact. Um, many states relied on taxes from liquor sales to provide budget funding. So right. approximately 75% of New York's state, New York state's revenue came from liquor sales. 75%. Wow. That's insane. I remember when I was, when I was, a, I think a senior in high school, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is where I went to high school. Pigeon Forge was going through a liquor by the drink. Like, they were trying to pass a liquor by the drink law. uh, Because at the time, you couldn't buy liquor in restaurants. Like, you couldn't get just, like, a shot at a restaurant. You graduated in 2015? Yeah. And that you couldn't do that in Tennessee? Yeah, okay. But also, I will have, you know, I had never, ever, 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 ever seen a bottle of wine sold in a grocery store or a gas station until I moved to Virginia. Wow. Yeah. Like that, that didn't happen. So I moved to Virginia and there is just, you can buy beer and I mean, you could buy beer at like a Walmart, but you couldn't buy, um, like wine at a Kroger or anything like that. You couldn't do anything like that at a gas station or at, um, just like a Walmart or something. So the first time I came to Walmart here and there was a whole section of wine, I was like, what in the world? Because when I was 2015, my senior year, I was working at a bar. Yeah. So that was nothing for me on a Friday, Saturday night to take these people liquor. Yeah. Yeah, wow. no. I mean, I worked I worked um at a baseball stadium, so I sold a lot of alcohol when I was 15. But right. but like it it's different being at a place like, you know, baseball stadiums, stuff like that. You could buy beer at restaurants and stuff like that. I think you could get wine, but you couldn't get liquor by the drink. Yeah, see that it was nothing it was nothing for me to which at the time I was serving or mm-hmm. not serving, I'm sorry, I was hosting, mm-hmm. but um I stopped still help run mm-hmm. drinks and stuff but it was nothing for me mm-hmm. to just follow a server with mm-hmm. two shots in my hand yeah no no that wasn't a thing you could do which is not something i ever thought about because i was too young to drink so it didn't really matter that's crazy but, yeah and tax revenue is a huge reason why it got passed like there were i mean i grew up in the bible belt and now we live where we live so we get right so you know we get that that kind of mentality but there was so much pushback from people because they were like we don't want people drinking liquor in our town well, but then it's also like there are so many benefits to tax revenue from that, especially yeah. like for education and stuff like that. It, it was just, it was absolutely insane. And now that I'm older, um, it just seems so strange to me that like when I was in high school, people couldn't just go to restaurants and do what they do. What I've been doing with people since I turned 21, you know, like right. just going that's out and insane. having a glass of wine or, or what I do every single night at my other job. That, that's insane to me because like, crazy because like when i think of like pigeon forge specifically or gatlinburg specifically Mm -hmm. you know you're thinking like 
moonshine just <laughs> automatically right which which i mean yes but also you know then i'm thinking of like the shows mm-hmm. and like none of them had alcohol that's crazy none of them yeah which i mean obviously that wouldn't have, i wouldn't have noticed mm-hmm. i was it's been a very long time since mm-hmm. i have been well even now that the liquor by the drink thing is a thing they still don't as far as i know i mean i know that like stampede still doesn't um oh my god yeah because it's like family friendly entertainment or whatever but that makes sense yeah I, I don't think you can get alcohol at like dollywood or anything like that oh my god that's yeah. so crazy yeah no yeah i think you're right yeah but that's crazy yeah because like it's been i had to have it's been since about 2011 since i've been mm-hmm. to um dollywood mm-hmm. or imp pigeon well no that's not true i went to pigeon forge a couple of years ago but um since i've been to like dollywood but yeah. i ha- i've only been yeah of legal age for two years let me say that i also haven't been to dollywood in a very long time so that could have changed but i really don't think up until i graduated and left i mean i went to dollywood i think my senior year actually i think i went the year after i i'm pretty sure we went around christmas time my freshman year of college because that's like my favorite thing yeah. is dollywood at christmas yes. time um but i haven't been back since then um but i'm pretty sure that you couldn't get alcohol there then either <sighs> But yeah. That blows my mind. And you like, could not buy it blew my mind the first time I walked into a Walmart and there was a whole row of wine. That's crazy. Like And because, now like I said, that I row was, of wine at Walmart saves my life. It was a, <laughs> yes. And you can just walk into any gas station, there's just wine everywhere. Like that wasn't a thing that you could do. Oh that's crazy. Yeah. And then now you can. Like since I've left, now you can go back. And I remember I just want you to think about this. We graduated five years ago. So this oh has been God. within the last five years. That's crazy. That's the, the last five years is also a really insane musical. You should watch it. Um, But yes. <laughs> no, you're right. That is insane. My mind is literally like, what the heck? <laughs> My mind, I'm like. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. It, it's it's really funny because I remember telling like some of my friends from back home like dude it's so weird you walk into a wa- uh, walk into wine you walk into Walmart and there's just wine everywhere and I'm like what and then like a year later there was wine at all the gas stations and Walmart's there too. Wow. Yeah. It was wild, dog. The weirdest thing. Just like. Which I think is so funny because of where we currently live. Well, the bar that I worked at was directly across the road from the one of the biggest uh, Christian universities in uh, the country. Oh, that's right. You were working there then, weren't you? Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I worked there for four years. Oh my so, god. <clears throat> right across, like, d- directly across the road from the biggest Christian university. That was the first... Well, I wouldn't say the biggest, but one of the biggest. That was the first, like, <coughs> Virginia-specific restaurant I ever ate at whenever I came to college. Yeah, no, the the restaurant that you worked at was the first place, and it's still one of my... It's still my dad's favorite place to go. Really? Yeah. And, oh my god, that restaurant is where everything happened with yeah. there. That, god, that place is... It holds a lot. It really A do. lot of life has <laughs> it happened. Really, it, it really, really do. do. <laughs> God. A lot of life happened in the four walls of that establishment. God. Jesus. All right. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. I'm, I'm still like, I'm just like mind blown. But. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so yeah, tax revenue. Anyway. Um, at the national level, prohibition costs the federal government about $11 billion in lost tax revenue, plus an additional $300 million to enforce. Now, I do not know if that is... Um, 1920 money or 2020 money yeah. uh, it wasn't specific in the article if it was 2020 money that's still a heck of a lot of money if it was but if it 1920 money, money holy moly batman that's a lot of money um many states as well as the federal government began relying on income tax revenue to fund their budgets um so what did the 18th amendment actually do it prohibited the manufacture sale and transportation of alcoholic beverages it did not prohibit the possession or consumption of alcoholic beverages in the United States. So, if you had it, 
or you were drinking it, you could not get arrested for it. It was if, I mean, obviously, if you had it, it was sold and transported and manufactured somehow. But if they couldn't prove how you did it, like, you couldn't just get in trouble for having it in your possession or drinking it. Exceptions, loopholes, and ensuing debauchery is what I have titled this next section. Um, Pharmacists were still allowed to dispense whiskey for medicinal purposes. Um, Medicinal purposes could cover anything from anxiety to the flu. I'll just leave that there. The number of registered pharmacists tripled as bootleggers began running pharmacies to hide their illegal boozing. Which I think is really funny now that I work in a pharmacy. Um, we don't dispense whiskey, but <laughs> still, um, Americans were so here. Are, these are all the exceptions. So pharmacists, um, Americans were allowed to have wine for religious purposes. Um, so enrollment rose in churches and synagogues, and the U.S. saw a major rise in self-proclaimed rabbis who could now access wine for their quote congregations. Amazing, amazing. There was no hard and fast prohibition of home manufacture. This was confusing for me because this made me feel like the prohibition was against the manufacture, sale, and transportation all in one if there was no hard and fast prohibition of home manufacture because you wouldn't be, you'd be manufacturing, but you wouldn't be selling or transporting. So I don't really know how that worked, but the the American grape industry began selling juice concentrate kits that had warnings about leaving them sitting for too long or they would (laughs) ferment and turn into wine. So they were basically just like, hey, don't do this. If you leave it for too long, it's going to ferment and turn into wine. And wouldn't you much rather have grape juice than wine? So don't do it. <laughs> like, very obviously being like, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Home stills were illegal, but there were tons of resources in public libraries from the U.S. Department of Agriculture with instructions on distilling. And you could even buy home stills at hardware stores. <laughs> so we're trying real hard. Real hard, guys. The law that was meant to outlaw alcohol ended up being incredibly educational for the American public, as many new people picked up illicit new hobbies and effectively became criminals. (laughs) Unregulated alcohol seriously affected overall public health. Um, The quality of alcohol in the black market declined as so many people rushed to kind of get their foot in the water to try and make some money. And on average, 1,000 Americans died every year during the Prohibition era from drinking tainted alcohol. There's also a lot of impact on the American legal system and law enforcement. So many police officers and Prohibition agents gave into the temptation of bribes that public trust in law enforcement was drastically decreased throughout the era. Big Bill Thompson was a Republican mayor of Chicago who made way for gangsters like Al Capone to do their thing with no fear of legal ramification. He was estimated to have been paid off by Al Capone in the amount of a quarter of a million dollars to oh fund his can- to fund yeah to fund Thompson's campaign in 1927, in which he won easily. Roy Olmsted, known as the king of the Puget Sound bootleggers, was the youngest lieutenant with the Seattle PD until he was caught bootlegging whiskey and was terminated. He became a professional bootlegger and eventually grew to the point where he was making more money in one week as a bootlegger than he would have earned in 20 years as an officer. Olmsted paid off several local officials, such as sheriff's deputies, prohibition officers, city council members, the chief of police, and the mayor of Seattle. And then in 1924, Olmsted was caught due to evidence obtained by wiretapping and was sentenced to four years of hard labor. But again, major thing that happened as a result of the prohibition, he this went to the Supreme Court. So he appealed on the grounds that it was unconstitutional and even took it to the Supreme Court where they ruled five to four to uphold the conviction. So really, really close. And one of the dissenting judges said, he, he, you've heard the term right to privacy. Yeah. That was coined by this judge 
in the Supreme Court case. And so eventually the Supreme Court reversed the ruling and Olmstead received a presidential pardon, um, but he had already served out a sentence. This whole article ends in this just kick-ass quote from Michael Lerner, a historian for PBS. This is how we're going to end it because I read this and I just, I got chills because yeah. y- you know me, I'm super into the Constitution. Yes. Like, I've read it so many times. <laughs> um, I think amendments and just the... I think any country that can, as many issues as America has had and will continue to have and currently has, the idea of a group of people forming together to fight for a better life for themselves is so beautiful to me. Yeah. It's not just the United States. There are so many instances in which that's a thing. But I think that the Constitution is just such an interesting document. Yeah. And to think, every time I read it, I'm transported back to the time that it was written. And, like, that's such a cool thing for me, like, trying to put myself in these different time frames. Yeah. In U.S. history, I've heard so many history people be like, oh, U.S. history is boring because there's only, like, 300 years of it. Like... Okay, yeah, compared to, like, England, <laughs> we don't have that much, much history to study, but we, it, it, and it's frustrating because there are so many things that we study where we're just like, man, you were just a dumbass, weren't you? Like, yeah. And it is frustrating, but it's still just so fascinating to me. Like, it's yeah. not, it's not that old and comparatively it's not that, you know, cool or interesting and it's incredibly problematic, but to me it is and I'm just really really amazed by it so this quote just like completely sums that up to me and just gave me chills and so that's how we're going to end it and it is um, a kick-ass quote from Michael Lerner historian for PBS and it is quote there is little doubt that prohibition failed to achieve what it set out to do and that its unintended consequences were far more far-reaching than its few benefits the ultimate lesson is twofold and this is the best part watch out for solutions that end up worse than the problems they set out to solve And remember that the Constitution is no place for experiments, noble or otherwise. Oh. That's a good quote. I, and it's especially good because he calls it a noble experiment at the beginning of the article. And then he ties it all back in together at the, it just, so good. Oh, I had chills again. Yeah, that gave me chills. It's so good. That's good. God, that was, was so much. And I'm so sorry. Well. Thank you for going along on this journey with me. Absolutely. Specifically about Prohibition, but also with the podcast. This is like our first... Not saying our first one was bad because it was not. No. It was but hilarious. But you can definitely tell that we're less nervous. We really are. We really are. I mean, really I still are. hate talking to myself while I'm talking to you, talking to myself. <laughs> but, and yes. I also still hate the sound of my voice. Oh yeah, editing this is going to be a complete existential nightmare, but it's it, fine. Yes, but less awkward, yeah. I feel like. We're I feel finding... Like awkward. Yeah. Is the, the correct word. Yeah. We're finding our groove a little bit more. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep learning. It's going to be great. Um, our first episode was not bad. So. It, no, it wasn't bad. We'll go ahead and plug everything now. So we do have a Patreon if you are interested. If you want to support us on Patreon, we greatly um, appreciate it. If you don't, that's totally fine. We love you anyway. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. Wait, you can't like on podcasts. That's YouTube. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Click like and subscribe down in the comments. No, but you can um, subscribe, rate, review, and subscribe. That's yeah. it. Um, that's podcasts. I know that. I listen to so many of them. Um, I have done so many rate, reviews, and subscribes. So rate, review. It's really going to help us out as we start, you know, getting onto all these platforms. We really, really want to turn this into something big. We both really enjoy doing this. Um so, you know, whatever you can do to help us out, that's a really easy thing. It takes like five minutes or it can take an hour depending on how much you hate us. But please like us. Um, I think we're pretty okay. I think we're pretty fun. I think we're super cute. And this is a great time. I agree. Yeah. I, also, I, yeah. can we just shout out Gray? <gasps> yeah. For our amazing yes. artwork. Yes. Big shout out to um, Mr. Grayson Eli Barber. He is the artist who made our logo, um, our incredible logo that we love so much. I miss him so much. Gray, we miss you. <laughs> he moved to another state and now I can't have him in my 
life every day anymore and it makes me sad. So his art Instagram is Grayson B Art. That is G-R-A-Y-S-O-N-B as in boy underscore A-R-T as in art. Um, he's amazing. He's absolutely incredible. We love him so much. Uh, you can follow him. Um, also shout out to my very good friend, Becca, who suggested the name Hot Messes of History whenever I was trying to come up with it. And then also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HMH Podcast. You can also email us at HMHpodcast at gmail.com. I am Crystal Mayercheck. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at cmayercheck. Don't try to spell it. Just go to the podcast <laughs> socials. Um, go ahead and uh, like while you're there. And then just uh, Megan and I are the only people that either of our socials yes. are following. So and just find all, me there. You can find me on Instagram, but I'm not going to lie. I can't remember my at handle, but I'm also on there. Like, it's just Megan M. Cuddle. Is it? Yeah. I couldn't remember if there was an M in there or not. Yeah. It's okay. Megan M. Cuddle. Well, I'm glad you know that better than I do. Yeah. We're a perfect match. Again, so because both of us suck, just find us on the <laughs> podcast Instagram. We're the only people that the podcast Instagram or Twitter, actually, the Twitter doesn't follow you. Don't follow Megan on Twitter. She doesn't want you on her Twitter. No. Um, never. And no. I'll take it to the grave. Yeah. Don't follow her on Twitter. She she has a private Twitter. She won't accept your follow request. Nope, um, but never. do follow me. I'm funny. My Twitter's funny and you will like it. I'm self deprecating. Yes. So. <laughs> Which, I mean, I can be too, but I'm just very public about my self deprecation. If you follow me on Twitter, be prepared. I therapize a lot. <laughs> so just get ready for the ride <gasps> patreon you can find us at www.patreon.com slash hot messes of history um and we also have a facebook page now because your mom is adorable oh. and made us a facebook both of our moms are our biggest stands and i love that i say shout out to our moms shout out moms we love you um so find us on facebook at hot messes of history so yeah thank you guys so much um go ahead and go on over to the next episode because it's out and it's good and it's gonna be a wild ride we haven't recorded yet but we already know it's gonna be amazing um, i'm already getting stressed out thinking about it don't be stressed it's gonna be so good i am crystal i am megan and stay safe oh wash your damn hands wash your damn hands and keep them to yourself and keep them to yourself (laughs) (laughs) hashtag hot mess of history hashtag hot mess of history wash your damn hands and keep them to yourself all right bye guys bye